in the horror genre. I'm your host, Nicole, and it's time to share another dark tale. Welcome back, weirdos. It's Easter week, and although we nerds love our holiday horrors, Easter isn't one that immediately comes to mind as a favorite. I think that's because spring in general is, I think, the weakest season for horror. Fall, of course, reigns supreme because of Halloween, and Christmas holds its own spooky delights, but spring just doesn't have as much to offer. I've been researching and writing my religion and horror series lately and was hoping to release the first episode around Easter, but I need more time for that because one, I'm starting a new job this month, and two, I found a great book on religion in horror that I would like to finish before I record that episode. So as I've been preparing for the week's festivities, both religious and secular, the topic of religion and horror has been on my mind, and it made me wonder how much Easter horror is out there. So as we do in our modern age, I gave it a Google to see what might pop up, and let me tell you, the selection is not great. There seem to be several slashers based on crazed killers in bunny suits, uh, as well as Critters 2, which I believe is a kind of a cult classic, and then one psychological thriller called Resurrection, in which a deranged psychopath is apparently trying to rebuild the body of Christ with his victims, uh, which sounds kind of intriguing, but the Rotten Tomatoes score wasn't great. Um, So anyway, I was going to make time to watch a couple of these, and then I thought, no, if I don't have time to finish the episode I really want to make, then I certainly don't have time to go down a rabbit trail, if you will, uh, watching something that probably won't be great, so I can tell you not to waste your time. So instead, I gave it some thought, and I have a few unconventional recommendations that I think fit the bill for Easter season. First up is Daybreakers, which is a vampire film from 2009. In the year 2019, a plague has transformed almost every human into vampires. Faced with a dwindling blood supply, the fractured dominant race plots their survival. Meanwhile, a researcher works with a covert band of vamps on a way to save humankind. sustain our population till the end of the month. We're talking about the extinction of the human race. If a blood substitute is not found immediately, 
this will happen to all of us. This substitute would replace our need for a human supply. There will always be those who are willing to pay extra for the real thing. We need your help. We want to rebuild the human race. A blood substitute is not a cure. I was like you once. I'm not no more. Who are you? We're the folks with the crossbows. That last breath of humanity will vanish as soon as the blood does. I found the cure. I can change you back. What's the cure? They could kill you. I'm already dead. It doesn't hurt me. Can anyone hear me? Now, if you haven't seen it, uh, Daybreakers is a lot of fun. It's a bit of a fresh take on the vampire tale and has a fantastic cast, including Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, and Sam Neill. I really enjoyed it upon my first watch in theaters, and I've watched it several times since then. So you're probably wondering, what does a vampire flick have to do with Easter? (laughs) Like many vampire films, Daybreakers has quite a bit of religious imagery, and I've come to refer to it as the gospel according to vampires. So the story of a small band of outsiders shaking up the establishment and bringing life to undead humanity is kind of a modern retelling of Jesus and his disciples. There are characters that can be interpreted as stand-ins for Jesus, John the Baptist, Mary Magdalene, uh, Judas, and even an evil boss that makes kind of a great Satan. Um, It's a story of blood, betrayal, redemption, and resurrection. And if that's not an Easter story, I don't know what is. If you're interested in reading more about that, I wrote a blog really expanding upon all of those ideas, and um, I'll post a link to that in the show notes, and you can really get in there with me in this gospel story according to vampires. Up next on this strange little journey is not technically a horror movie, but it is one that pops up from time to time on a certain subgenre list. That film is The Passion of the Christ, which is the 2004 film that depicts the final 12 hours in the life of Jesus on the day of his crucifixion in Jerusalem. Evil 
First of all, um, I just want to say this is not a film I would recommend to everyone. This is um, kind of, it can be a rough watch for several reasons. Um, I think it's beautiful and interesting, but it doesn't really have a wide appeal. Um, The Passion of the Christ is somewhat interesting because it has to be the only R-rated movie in existence to be successful because of church-going Christians. You know, they're much more comfortable protesting R-rated movies than showing up for them. And uh, it was definitely a cultural touchstone in that regard. And while it's violent, it's certainly not a horror movie and shouldn't appeal to horror fans on its gore alone. So it's a bit of a strange movie as far as, you know, who the audience should and shouldn't be. I have seen this movie pop up on torture porn lists a couple of times, and I would wholeheartedly disagree with that classification, partially because I just don't think that's a valid subgenre in general. I don't think that's an accurate title on almost any horror film. But uh, in order to be considered torture porn, a film needs to not have any real plot or purpose other than to be a vehicle for gore and violence. And uh, The Passion of the Christ, which is a story that is the cornerstone for the faith of billions of people, uh, cannot be dismissed as simply a vehicle for violence. In fact, The violence is a particularly important element of the story, and it's a very important element in the draw of this particular film. Uh, Let me explain a little bit about that. So growing up as a Christian kid, I saw so many Easter plays, and they were all pretty tame, of course, because, you know, you're going to see these in churches And the audiences are everyone from, like, the kids in Sunday school up to, like, your granny. Um, So these were, they were tame. Um, If you got any blood, it was minimal. Christ was usually fairly covered, even on the cross. And so I always wondered what an accurate depiction of Christ's ordeal would look like. And I'm sure a lot of Christians uh, have been curious about the same thing. And um, to a Christian, this is, like I said, the cornerstone of faith. It's this ultimate sacrifice. And I was really intrigued when I learned that The Passion of the Christ was being produced and that it, in fact, got an R rating. Um, I knew that that meant we were going to get a more accurate depiction than we've ever seen before. And I think that alone makes it important to a lot of people Um, You know, there are films that I love that I've only seen once or twice. Um, They're not movies that I really would say I enjoy, but they are films that I think are important and impactful. And The Passion of the Christ is that to me. And in addition to the religious importance of seeing this story play out in a realistic manner, there are also interesting artistic choices to appreciate. The entire film is spoken in Latin, Hebrew, and Aramaic, 
which I think is a bold choice since mainstream audiences aren't super open to that, uh, especially not in wide release almost 20 years ago. I also really appreciate the unconventional portrayal of Satan as a beautiful kind of androgynous figure, uh, at times carrying a very strange baby. Um, It's the kind of weird sort of offbeat detail you might see in the background of a Renaissance painting, or certainly in a Bosch painting. And if you aren't familiar with the work of Bosch, please go look it up. And like I said, this is not a film for everyone. Um, I think if you are a Christian who can handle violence, um, an appreciator of religious art, or if you're just kind of curious, it is worth a watch. And finally, we come to the most obvious film on this list, and it clocks in at just 11 minutes. And that is the Easter segment from the 2016 anthology film Holidays, in which we meet the Jesus Bunny. I'm sorry, we're closed. Oh, no, 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 I I called about the- Sorry, pal. Holidays are hell. scared. Shh. Time to close your eyes and go to sleep. Someone's coming tonight. Being tucked into bed at night, a little girl becomes frightened by the coming of the Easter Bunny. Her mother attempts to calm her and tries her best to explain the holiday's mascot and its connection to Jesus before managing to tuck her in. I love anthology films. If you've seen many, you know that they're kind of hit or miss. Most of the time, not all the segments are great. There's usually one or two standouts. Um, But Holidays was an interesting concept to me. Um, The film is, there's a segment for each holiday, uh, starting with, I think, New Year's Eve and goes through Christmas. Um, So there are quite a few. And like I said at the beginning here, Easter is not really a scary holiday. Um, Let me tell you, I was equally disturbed and intrigued by this little short film when I saw it. Uh, I don't remember much about the other segments of holidays, but Easter has been burned into my brain. 
it's one of those viewing experiences where I saw it and it was just crystal clear to me what the filmmaker was trying to say and it resonated with me. So I love celebrating holidays. That's probably why I was so intrigued to see this anthology in the first place. And I've been interested in the origins and practices of our modern holidays for a long time. So many of our holidays have both religious and secular components, and it's interesting how they've become intertwined over the generations. And so Easter presents the intertwining of our traditions in a deliciously disturbing fashion and gives us an unforgettable monster in the process. Uh, Not only is it unsettling on the surface, but it asks important questions about our faith and why we believe what we do. Um, I don't really want to say much more about this film because like I said, it's only 11 minutes long uh, and I don't really want to tell you much about it. If you've not seen it, you just need to go watch it. And then if you want to read more about my thoughts on holidays in our culture, religion in our culture, and what's going on in this weird little film, you can read all about it on the blog, which again, I will link in the show notes. Um, I'm really giving you guys some homework this time around. Before I wrap up today, uh, I do want to mention one more as kind of an honorable mention, and uh, that is Midnight Mass. Um, Midnight Mass takes place around and culminates on Easter. So if you have some time and you haven't watched it yet, Midnight Mass is probably the absolute best Easter watch. And since I will be getting into the weeds with Midnight Mass uh, in a couple of episodes, I will not say much more about that. So thanks for joining me today on this little mini episode, and uh, I hope you find your favorite candy in your Easter basket this weekend, and I hope to return in May with the first episode of my Religion and Horror series. Uh, I think this episode has served as, you know, a nice little teaser for that. So until then, happy Easter. Tuning in. You can find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Light and Shadow Pod. Sign up to become a supporter on Patreon for early access to all episodes and more. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help other people find the show. Until next time, stay spooky. <laughs>